Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Oh, that's good. So good to see you this morning. We're so grateful to have you all with us. If you are new around here, if this is your first time at Warehouse Church, we just want you to know that we exist for one reason. We exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus. And so what that means is that we hope that in your uh, time with us this morning that you would leave here different than when you came. Actually, that's my hope for everyone, whether you're watching online or in person, that you will be transformed today, that you will leave here different than when you came. Now, if you are new to, uh, to Warehouse Church this morning, to, this morning our worship was centered around 90s and early 2000s. And so some of you are like, I've never heard that song before. Some of you are like, oh, I remember that song. Uh, that was me uh, trading my sorrows when I was a youth pastor. I think we played that song like every single week uh, in youth group because that was an easy song for me to play on the guitar. The kids had these uh, uh, the, um, motions, and, uh, and I am not a big motions fan. But they would always go, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And they would do that the whole time. And, and then I thought I was a really cool youth pastor, and we would sing it in multiple different languages. So when we get to the chorus, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, we go, we, Lord, we, Lord. That's French, by the way. But we go uh, Spanish, see, Lord, see, Lord. And, uh, and any other one we could do that I knew the language to yes, because that's the only word that we'd change the language in. But I thought that was cool, and, uh, and the kids thought it was fun. And I look back, and I'm like, what were you thinking? And, uh, and so that was a, a song that we did a lot, so that brought back some really good memories. And then uh, the song that Taylor sang, um, Heart of Worship, uh, Matt Redman uh, wrote that song, and he wrote that song out of response of the, uh, felt like the, the worship was becoming more about production and more about uh, the sounding right and sounding good and all those things. And so he wrote this song, and he stripped away in his church. He took away um, all the instruments for a time, for a season. And it was just him and the guitar and it was, just, it was just singing to the Lord and getting back to the heart of worship. And I hope that as you come in here this, uh, each and every morning, that you experience the heart of worship. That you come and you bow your heart before the Lord as you sing songs. And maybe you're like, I'm not a singer. But you can still bow your heart and you can whisper them or you can say them. And, uh, and just get into uh, connecting with the Lord through worship. And so, so it was really cool to sing some of these songs that, that I haven't sung in a long time. And, uh, and I hope that you've enjoyed them too. And so over the past few weeks, excuse me, we've been discovering how to elevate our love for God and our love for our neighbor in this series that we've been calling Love Comes to Town. So we've been talking about God's love. We've been talking about how uh, we can model God's love, how we can love him better, and how we can love our neighbors. And this morning, I want us to talk about something that every single one of us uh, deals with, and it's how to handle our anger and love. And how many of y'all ever get angry? All right, the rest of you look around. The rest of you that aren't raising your hands, you're lying because we all get angry at some point or another. You see, anger is one of the most common emotions that we all have in life, and oftentimes it's one of the most misunderstood emotions, especially in the world of Christianity because what I'm learning is that a lot of Christians assume this. They say, well, I'm a Christian and because I'm a Christian, I can't get angry because anger is a sin. And that's not true. The Bible doesn't say that anger is a sin. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. You see, anger in and of itself is not a sin. It's an emotion. As a matter of fact, anger is an emotion that is given to us by God and we are made in the image of God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but even God gets angry 
from time to time. Now you're like, well, wait a minute. When would God get angry? Well, let me tell you that God gets angry when he sees injustice. God gets angry when he sees injustice in the world. He gets angry when he sees racism. God gets angry when he see things like, sees things that are happening like what's happening in Europe right now. God gets angry when the Florida Gators don't win football. God gets angry, right? Ha <laughs> I got the mic. But God is also perfectly loving. So anger can also be a sign of great love. And, and so if someone hurts my wife or someone threatens my kids, I'm going to get angry, right? And why? Because I love them. And, and if I didn't get angry, it would mean that, that I didn't care about them or I didn't love them. You see, the opposite of love is an anger. The opposite of love is apathy. It's not caring. And so there are times in life when a follower of Jesus Christ ought to get angry. Like we should get angry when we see racism happening. We should get angry when we see people being oppressed. We should get angry when we see people being abused. The problem isn't anger. The problem is how you express your anger. You see, that's what gets us into trouble. It's not anger. It's not being angry. It's how we express our anger that gets us into trouble. And there's always a right way and a wrong way of expressing anger. And, and one is helpful and one is harmful. And so today I'm calling this message triggered, which means getting filled with hate after seeing, hearing, or experiencing something you can't stand. We get triggered. And so trigger means that you get angry, you get ticked off, you feel like punching someone or something. And so today we're gonna learn I want us to learn how to handle anger with people we love when we're triggered and how we do it in a healthy and biblical way. You see, when you know how to express your anger constructively, it can be a great ally. In fact, anger, when it's handled well, builds some of the best relationships. But when we mishandle anger, when we mishandle it, it can destroy everything in its path. And I know that you've experienced both kinds. I know that some of you have experienced more often than not the anger that destroys everything in its path. You see, if we don't manage anger well, if we don't manage anger biblically, it can blow up our relationships. It can blow up our relationships with our families. It can blow up our marriages and it can blow up the relationships with people that we care about the most. Now, how many of you all have ever been taken aside? Like, think about this for a minute. How many of you have ever been taken aside and someone said to you, okay, I want us to learn how to manage anger God's way. Like, has anyone, anyone ever come up to you and said that? Let's learn how to manage our anger God's way. The truth is many of you have never been taught how to anger or how to manage your anger in God's way. Oftentimes, our parents don't teach us that. Our teachers don't teach us that. And probably you've never really seen it modeled well in the home or in a business or and even in churches. 
Like churches don't often talk about how to manage your anger well. And now we find ourselves living in an age, I call it the age of rage, right? It's when we get offended and triggered by anything and everything. I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's an epidemic where we get angry by so many things so quickly and so easily. I mean, I don't know about hearing, I haven't been around Kentucky long enough, but in Florida, if the light were to turn green and you didn't go in 2.4 seconds, the person behind you was laying on their horn, sticking the finger out the window and yelling at you all at the same time because you didn't go in 2.4 seconds. Or you've seen it in restaurants, especially in fast food restaurants. You've seen people get uptight and angry and start yelling when their food doesn't come out in the, the right amount of time or it doesn't come out correctly. You don't have to go far on social media to find angry people, right? Like that's become an angry person's outlet. They just blast people and blow people up on Facebook or on whatever social media you use. And so I want you to think about today, what gets you triggered? Like what is it that gets you all riled up? What is it that gets you angry? Is there a situation or a person in your life who routinely makes you angry? Maybe, maybe it's your spouse who's always late or, or is always demanding something of you. Or maybe it's your kids who, who never seem to obey you the first time you ask them to do something. Like you always have to ask them three and four and five times before they listen. Or maybe it's your in-laws. Maybe your in-laws are, are all, always nitpicking at your parenting skills. Or maybe, maybe it's a friend Maybe it's a friend who's never there for you when you need them. Or maybe it's a coworker who's always bad-mouthing you at the water cooler. Like, we all have people in our lives who make us angry. And I want you to think about them this morning. And I want you to ask this question of yourself. I want you to ask, what do I look like when I get angry with them? Like, what do you look like? Does your face turn red? Does the proverbial smoke come out of your ears? Like, are you biting, you're clenching your teeth? Are you, are you tight-fisted when you get angry? Like, how do you typically express your anger? Because usually, there's two types of responses when we get angry. Either we explode, spewing anger everywhere, or we do the second thing, we clam up and we give that person the silent treatment. Like usually those are the two spectrums of when we get angry. Either we're blowing up and exploding and spewing all over them, or we're retreating and we're being quiet and we're giving them the silent treatment. You see, that's what people usually do. They either clam up or they blow up. And which one are you? Or maybe you find yourself somewhere in between. Or maybe it depends on the situation. The reality is this, that when any of us get angry, and all of us do, Neither of these extremes are healthy, and neither of them are biblical. Like, it's not healthy to explode on someone, nor is it healthy to clam up and give them the silent treatment. You see, the Bible talks a lot about how to manage your anger appropriately, and how to love in the midst of our anger, so that it builds up a relationship rather than tearing it down. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to open with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is in the New Testament. It's kind of in the middle of the New Testament, and it's written by Paul. 
And uh, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's writing to the Ephesians, and he's counseling them for those moments when they feel triggered by anger. He's writing to them when those moments where they feel angry, and he's telling them how to respond in a biblical and healthy way. And so in, in chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, here's what Paul writes. He says, be angry. Everybody say angry. angry. He says, be angry, right? He says, be angry, and then he goes, and do not sin. Be angry, but don't sin in your anger. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And so Paul realizes, just like we've talked about, that everyone gets angry. That anger is a legitimate emotion. It's one that God's given you. And he's like, hey, it's okay, be angry. But then he says, real quick, right after that, he says, but don't sin. Don't sin in your anger. Don't let your anger cause you to sin. And then he says, hey, by the way, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, what Paul's not saying there is he's not saying, listen, you need to resolve all the conflict before the sun goes down. You're like, but man, we got in a fight at 8 o'clock. Sun goes down at 8.15. What do I do? I got 15 minutes, right? No, he's not saying that. He's saying, just don't let the sun, don't let the day go by before you begin to manage or resolve, begin to resolve your conflict. In other words, don't ignore it. And then he says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Because here's what Paul knew. He knew that the evil one loves to take our anger and manipulate it and turn it into sin. He knew that. He knew, and he knows how you're wired, right? He knows that if you're the explosive type, He's just got a whisper in your ear. You need to give them a piece of your mind. Like, you're not going to let them get away with that, are you? You better just start giving them what, you, what they deserve. And he loves to whisper in your ear. Or if he knows that you're the kind that silently retreats, he's like, that's right. You don't talk to them. You don't talk to them for the next five days. Like, you just shut up and you just, you just ignore them for the next five days. Because the evil one loves to twist and manipulate our anger into sin. And Paul's like, and don't give the enemy a foothold. And then he goes on in verse 31, if you skip down, he says this, he says, get rid of, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, every time I read that passage, I'm like, is, is Paul writing to a biker gang or what? Like, he's like, don't you know, get rid of all the brawling and slander. But what Paul's saying is if you're going to deal with it before the sun goes down, you got to get rid of some things. Like if there's bitterness in your anger and rage and, and if there's brawling and slander along with any other kind of form of malice, he's like, get rid of it. Make sure that those things don't invade into, the, into your anger. And so he continues then in verse 32 and he tells us this. He's like, instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be kind and compassionate to one another. And here's what he says. And if I had my Bible, I'd underline this, word, this phrase. He says, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. He's like, listen, it's okay to be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Instead, be kind and compassionate to each other. Forgive one another just as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. And so this morning, I want to get practical with you. And I want to talk about some healthy steps that we can take to handle our anger biblically. Like, how do we do that? And the first thing that we need to do is this. We need to resolve to manage our anger. 
We need to resolve to manage it. Stop making excuses for your anger. Stop saying stuff like, well, that's just the way I was born. I can't help it. I'm hot-headed. You got to resolve to manage your anger. Just like love is a choice, it's a choice. God gave us a choice to love him. And just like love is a choice, so is anger. And when you get angry, you choose to get angry and you choose how to deal with your anger. Listen, nobody can make you get angry. It's a choice. And so let's choose to manage our anger in a healthy way. Proverbs 29, 11 says this. It says, don't be a fool and quickly lose your temper. Be sensible and patient. In other words, what this proverb is saying is take control of your anger. It's a choice. How you respond in anger is your choice, and it's your responsibility. And so oftentimes, people get angry, and here's what they do. They blame their families. They say stuff like, well, I get angry because my dad got angry, and his dad got angry, and his dad got angry. I just can't help it. I get angry because that's just part of my family. Or, or they'll say stuff like, you know what, I'm Latino or Latina or I'm an Italian or an Irish and we're just hot-blooded people and I get angry. But the truth is that you and I, we have way more control over our anger than we'd like to admit. And so let me, let me just kind of help you see what I, what I mean by that. How many of y'all have ever been in a heated argument before? We all have, right? We've been in heated arguments. And uh, maybe you've been in a heated argument at home. And you and whoever, maybe it's you and a son, maybe you and a daughter, you and a parent, uh, you and a best friend, but you are going at it. And you are screaming at each other, and then the phone rings, right? And it's like your mom or somebody important. And you answer the phone. You're screaming. And like, like your hair is on fire, steam's coming out your ears, and you answer the phone, and you're like, hey, how you doing? Can I call you right back? Right? <laughs> Like just a minute ago, you were spitting venom and fire out your mouth. And then in just an instant, you're like, hey, how's it going? Can I call you back? I'm busy right now. And you turn it off just like that. You flip the switch. You didn't want to be embarrassed or you didn't want to look like you were crazy or you didn't want them to know you were mad. And you just turned it off. Because why? Because you can control your anger. So anger is a choice. And you and I, we got to choose to resolve it by managing it. And so to resolve means that you make the choice in advance. This is it. You make the choice in advance and not in the heat of the moment. And you say, before I walk into this meeting with my boss or before I walk into my teenager's room and start yelling at him about missing curfew again, I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm not going to get angry. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sin in my anger. And you commit to God to de-escalate it before it happens. And, and this is a process, like, this is a process that I'm working on, I continue to work on. Like, I don't always do it, I fail at it, and I have to ask for forgiveness for it. And, and so do you, but, but we need to make a commitment that we're going to resolve to manage our conflict. And we're not going to do it in the heat of the moment, we're going to do it before it happens. We're going to realize that anger is a choice, and you've got to make the wise choice to control your anger. And how do you do that? Uh, is, is this, you remember the cost. You remember the cost of being angry. You see, first we resolve to manage it, and then we remember that anger costs, that when we sin in our anger, it costs something. 
There's always a cost attached to unresolved anger. Proverbs 29.22 says this. It says, hot tempers start fights, right? Hot tempers start fights, but a calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. Now, if you've been married for any length of time, you can attest to the truth to that verse. You can say, yep, you're absolutely right. Hot tempers start fights, but cool spirits, well, they keep the peace. And when there is conflict in our relationships, we're either... Um, we either relate to a turtle or a skunk. And this was funny in the first service. They're like all still talking about it. You're either a turtle or a skunk. If you're a turtle and there's conflict, you tend to pull your neck in and go back into your shell, right? You're a retreater. You go back into your shell and you hibernate in your shell. And if you're a skunk, it means when there's conflict, well, you stink the place up. Like you're mad and everyone's going to know it and you're dropping stink bombs everywhere and nobody is free from it. Like everybody knows what's happening. And many people though, funny enough, whether you're a turtle or a skunk, many people think that the turtle is the godlier way, right? Because they're, they're being the peacemaker. They appear to be the peacemaker because they're retreating and they're being quiet and they're being silent. But that's not true because here's what happens in the turtle's life. The turtle stuffs their anger deep down, and they pretend that they're not mad. But what's really going on is over time, that bitterness and that resentment grows into a tumor. And that tumor eventually explodes. And so the turtle is no more godlier or less godlier than the skunk. And the funny thing is, what I'm, I'm discovering is that skunks tend to marry turtles, and turtles tend to marry skunks. Like, it's true in our relationship. I'm not going to tell you who's who. I'm not going to tell you who's what and who's not. But I'm going to tell you that, that this is true for our relationship. That, uh, that, that, and I think it's like God's sense of humor, right? Like, I think that God's up there and he's like, hey, let's put these two together, a turtle and a skunk, and let's just watch the fireworks happen, right? It's like, it's just like, it's weird. But there's some quick things that I want you to know are facts about anger. And, and you might re resonate with some of these. And here's the deal. Women usually lose their temper about three times a week, all right, about three times a week, while men, uh, they lose their anger about six times a week, okay, and, uh, and women, women mostly, you all mostly get mad at people and relationships, where men tend to get angry at things and events, like lawnmowers and sports games, okay, and single adults, funny enough, they get angry twice as often as married folk do. And men are far more physical in their anger. And, and men, you are more likely to express your anger at home than any other place. Ladies, it's a free-for-all. You're like, I'm going to get angry wherever. It's the car. It's Walmart. It's home. It's in the front yard by the mailbox. It doesn't matter. And so listen, successful relationships aren't the ones that don't have conflict, okay? Like some people, they come up to me and say, Pastor, we've never had an argument in 26 years of marriage. And I'm like, then y'all are both turtles and y'all are gonna explode at some point or another. Because we, healthy relationships aren't defined by the lack of conflicts. Healthy relationships are defined by the ones that have learned to manage their anger well. And so Proverbs 11:29 in the message says this. It says, the fool, the fool, who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. 
Now, that's a really powerful statement if you think about it. Because what's that saying is this, that people that don't, have, uh, don't manage their anger well, that here's the destination that they're going towards. Here's where their road ends up. That if they don't manage their, their, their anger well, it provokes their family. And here's what happens at the end of the day. They have nothing worthwhile left. I want you to think about that for a minute. The destination to unchecked, unbridled, unhealthy anger is that at the end of the day, you will have nothing worthwhile left. You see, whenever anger wins in a home, it loses every single time. You lose trust, you lose respect, you, you lose the love of your family. It poisons the relationship. Unmanaged, unbiblical anger destroys the relationship. It's toxic. And that's why it's so important that we learn to manage it and we remember that it costs something. And third, that you reflect. You always reflect before reacting. You always reflect before. In other words, you think before you speak. We said this last week. You think before you speak. You have to put your mind in gear before your mouth starts flapping, right? Like you just got to learn that. You put your mind in gear before your mouth starts flapping. And I know some of us, we got like loose tongues. Like it just comes out. Uh, some of us have the gift of sarcasm. Some of us have the gift of, of cutting people up and down with our mouths. But we got to start reflecting before we react. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this in James 1.19. He said, everyone, everyone, everybody say everyone. everyone. So who's that? Everyone. everyone. Should be quick to what? Listen. And slow to speak and slow to become angry. In other words, God gave us two ears and one mouth so we would listen twice as much as we talk. And he's saying, listen, you need to be slow to speak and slow to become angry. So you got to watch your words and take your time. Hit the pause button. Let me just say this. If you have an anger issue and you know it, if you're like, that's me, I'm the one, I'm the skunk, I'm blowing it up, I'm stinking the place up every time, let me, just, let me just give you something practical that you can do that might help. Get a remote control, one that you don't use, and carry it in your pocket. And every time you are quick to or, or feel like you're going to blow someone up with your words, remember that pause button. Just remember that remote control. And then hit the pause button. Do it physically, like pull the remote control out and hit the pause button. And pause and reflect before you react. Because if we will think before we speak, if we will learn the art of delay, we will cause a whole lot less damage. You get a nasty email. Don't retaliate right away. Slow it down. Delay your response. Go ahead and type it out, but don't hit send. Hit delete. Thomas Jefferson put it this way. He said, listen, you need to count to 10 before you respond. And it's not like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Blah! It's like 1, 1,001, 1, 1,002. You count to 10 before you speak. The longer you hold your temper, the more it cools. Now, that doesn't mean that we ignore it for days or months or years. And some of you have been ignoring it for years. That's not what it says. You need to deal with your anger. And you need to deal with it, I would say, within the next 24 hours. It's just hitting a timeout. It's hitting a pause button so that you can, re, um, you can, you can reflect before you react. 
So in, in our marriage, in, in Jen and I's, sometimes one of us will say, you know what? I need to process this right now. And that's our word. And when we hear the word process, we're like, oh, we're hitting the pause button. We're doing a timeout. And one of us will walk out and we'll reflect before we come back and react. Do we do it every time? Absolutely not. There are times where we fail, fail miserably at this. But when we hear the word, I need to process this, then we know to process it. When we first got married, um, uh, well, you know, if I tell you that, then you're going to know who's the skunk and who's the suck. I'm going to skip it. All right, I'll tell you. So, so here's the deal. When we first got married, skunks, they don't like turtles because turtles don't react, right? Turtles hide in their shell and be quiet. And the skunk, all they want is a reaction. They want a P-U, right? They want a, man, that stinks, that smells. They want something. And so I'm the turtle. And so I would retreat into my shell, and I would not respond, and it drove Jen absolutely nuts, right? Like, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't react. I wouldn't respond. I wouldn't give her what she wanted, and it drove her completely crazy. And, 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 and she was driving me completely crazy. And then we had to learn. We had to learn this idea of, 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 of pausing before we respond. And once we learned that and we learned to, the word process and we learned that sometimes we need to time out, sometimes we need to pause before we respond, then we, we finally we got to a place where we could deal with our anger in healthy and biblical ways. And so while reflecting, a great question for you to ask yourself is this. Why am I so angry? Just ask yourself the question. You feel the blood pressure rising. You feel your face turning red. Ask yourself, why am I so angry? Because here's the deal. Angry is a secondary emotion. There's always a root cause to it. And it's either, uh, oftentimes, one of three things. It's either hurt or frustration or fear. That one of those three things is what causes most of our anger. Hurt, frustration, or fear. And so every time you feel triggered, one of those three is usually behind it. And so you have to analyze your anger and you have to find the root cause because uh, behind it. And only then can you do this last thing. Release my anger appropriately. Like that's what I want you to do. I want you to learn how to release your anger appropriately. And so that's why we commit to managing it. That's why we commit to reflecting before we respond. And there's always a right way and there's always a wrong way to approach it. And dropping bombs like a skunk or secluding like a turtle, that's not the right way. And, and now maybe you're like, well, I'm not really a turtle. I don't really feel like I'm a skunk. Well, then you might be the mockingbird. I know I'm throwing in a third animal here. The mockingbird. And this is the person that responds with sarcasm, insults, and cutting remarks. Like, you know the mockingbird. They're the one that can cut you, slice and dice you with just a few words. They don't raise their voice. They don't, they don't turn red. Their hair doesn't turn on fire. They just use their words, and their words hurt. And so which one are you? Do you most relate to the turtle? Do you most relate to the skunk or maybe the mockingbird? And none of them are healthy. So how do we do this in a biblical way? You don't express it. You don't suppress it. Here's what you do. You confess it. You admit you're angry. And you confess the cause to yourself. And then you confess the cause to God and then you confess the cause to the person you love. You answer the question, why am I so angry? And you confess the answer to yourself. And you confess that answer to God. And then you confess it to the person that you're angry with. 
Remember, anger is not a sin. It's an emotion. If anger was a sin, then God would be a sinner because God gets angry. He gets righteously anger at, angry at things that are happening in our world. And so we, when we allow our anger to turn into sin, we must confess it. Confess it to the one we love honestly, but tactfully to the person that hurt you and do it always out of love. You see, we said this in the very beginning that love is patient and kind, that it doesn't fly off the handle, but love also doesn't turn a blind eye to truth. And so if we're going to do this successfully, then we need to do this. We need to get help from Jesus. You see, if there is no way that you can handle uh, anger biblically on your own, you need the supernatural help from Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit to activate within you the ability to overcome the sin or the temptation to sin in your anger. Remember what Paul said in our passage. He said, be kind and compassionate to one another. And here's what he said, forgiving each other. How? Just as Jesus Christ forgave you. You see, Dr. Phil isn't going to help you with your anger. Self-help books aren't going to help you with your anger. The only solution to dealing with your anger in a biblical way is to draw on Christ's power to change your heart from the inside out. You see, church, here's what I know, that I know that I know, that when the love of Jesus fills your heart and you realize what he did on the cross by taking all of the wrath for us, so there's nothing left but love, grace, and forgiveness. And here's what some people need to hear this morning. And you might be one of those people. God's not mad at you. Just, just hear that. God's not mad at you. He's not out to get you. He's not out to say, I want to I wanna make sure that you, that you suffer. God's not mad at you. And, and here's the deal. He took care of our sin problem on the cross and he has nothing but love for you and for me. And here's the heart of the problem with anger. The heart of the problem is that anger, the heart of the problem is that anger is a problem of the heart. That's it. Anger is a problem of our heart. Whatever is in our hearts comes out of our mouths. And so maybe you're here today and maybe you're realizing that you have a heart problem. Maybe you're realizing that your heart is filled with nothing but bitterness and resentment and anger. And you haven't dealt with that. And Jesus, hear me, Jesus wants to replace all that bitterness, all that resentment, and all that anger with his, un, for, uh, with his unconditional, never-ending love. But you have to ask for it. You see, here's the deal about Jesus. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't say, you will love me. He gives us a choice. And the choice is ours. And all we have to do is ask for Christ to come and to fill our hearts with love. So maybe today you're realizing, you know what? I got an anger issue. I am sinning in my anger. And I do it often. And I'm hurting people. I'm hurting the people around me that, that I love 
because I am sinning in my anger. I'm like the skunk, I'm blowing it up. I'm like the turtle, I'm giving them the silent treatment. Man, I'm like the mockingbird, I am slicing and dicing them with my words. Listen, none of those three ways are biblical ways to deal with your anger. It begins with the love in your heart. And what comes out of your mouth is simply what is found in your heart. And if there's no love in your heart, there's no love coming out of your mouth. So what I want to encourage you to do today, just one, one thing this week, is I want you to work on these steps to healthy anger so that you don't sin in your anger. Make a commitment to resolve to manage your anger. Remember the cost that comes with sinning in your anger. Remember to reflect before you react. Most of all, release your anger appropriately. And remember this, that Jesus is always with you and wants to help you to resolve your anger. You see, if you will commit to living a life with healthy biblical anger, here's what I know what will happen. You'll build healthy relationships. You will. I promise. You have a healthy marriage. You have a healthy relationship with your kids. You have a healthy relationship with your best friend, with the guy or girl you're dating. Whoever it is, if you want a healthy relationship, learn how to deal with anger in a way that is biblical and not in sin. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving others just as Christ Jesus forgave you. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that the love that you offer to us is a free gift. And Lord, we can choose to receive it or we can choose to deny it. But Lord, my prayer today is that every person in this room would choose to receive your love because your love is unconditional. Your love is never ending. Your love is always faithful. Your love is always kind. Love is always present. So, Lord, I pray that we would fill our hearts with your love, not with bitterness, not with resentment, not with unbridled, unchecked anger, not with slander or malice. But God, that we would fill our hearts with your love. So, Lord, as we come to worship you one more time, Father, I pray that there are those in this room that may realize I got an anger problem. I am sitting in my anger. Lord, maybe it's time to confess that. Maybe it's time to first confess that to you. And then maybe, Lord, it's time to confess that to the people that we've been holding or harboring those feelings towards. So God, would you speak to us as we sing this last song? God, would you push us forward to say, I need to confess something, Lord. I need to come before you and confess my 
sinful anger. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for not shoving it down our throats, but for giving us the chance and the opportunity and the choice to love you. Lord, help us to remember anger is a choice too. And how we use our anger is really important. We love you, Lord. Amen. As we close with our song, I just want to invite you, as always, you may come to the front. These altars are open for you to come, and maybe it's time to come and confess some anger. Maybe it's time to come and surrender your life to Christ. Whatever it is, you come and you make your time with, with Christ a time of purpose, a time of, of, of confession, a time of receiving. So you come as you are called.